Well, we're in Matthew chapter 13 tonight. While Brother Frank was praying, I thought, should I just preach from Matthew 24 and 25 tonight? I'm not going to, but that thought crossed my mind. But you think about the signs of Matthew 24 and 25. Now, those are tribulation signs. They'll be fulfilled in the tribulation. And we know the rapture is the next great event on our calendar. I'm a pre-trib rapture guy. I don't fight with people who don't agree with me. Um, I, I, I told someone I'm so pre-trib I don't eat post-toasties. It's a, it's a bad joke. But I, I don't break fellowship over that, but I believe the rapture is the next great event. And that Matthew 24 and 25 are talking about signs of the tribulation. And what are some of those signs? Man, things that are happening today. Talks about pestilence. That's a Greek word which has to do with things that cause disease. You know, these, these uh, living organisms right now that are floating through the air we call COVID-19. That's a fulfillment. Possibly that the Lord's, we know the Lord's coming soon. We don't know when, but John and Paul thought he was coming 2,000 years ago. And then the, the nation shall rise against nation. The Greek word there is the word ethnos, our word ethnic, which indicates races, will be against races. That's the Greek word. You know, we know that the Iranians and the Babylonians, uh, the Persians and Babylonians, the Iranians and Iraqis for years, I mean, just hate, have hated Israel for years and especially Iran and the Syrians hate Israel. And then in America, we see all this racial stuff going on and it, it makes us realize the Lord could come at any moment. Amen. Because all those signs can be fulfilled in seven years easily of the tribulation period. So the Lord could come tonight, and uh, I wish he would. The hidden treasure and the pearl of great price were in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Let's stand and read when you get to verse 44. We'll read together. And remember, parables are not true stories, but they illustrate truth. And we always have new folks in here, visitors, so we reintroduce parables pretty consistently. We know Matthew was a publican or a tax collector. His name was Levi. He got saved and called banquet, had a banquet to reach his friends with the gospel. And he's writing this parable, and it's unique to Matthew. The other gospels don't write about this one. It says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Another parable right below that. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. And Lord... We have some young people tonight, and I just pray the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us, but that they'll have something practical. I know it's so much better for them to be able to be together and, and uh, have their own unique worship, but tonight they're with us, Lord, and so we pray you'll just bless them. Bless everyone here tonight. And Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the first four parables of this chapter were shared by the Sea of Galilee. So they're by the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus shares these four parables. But the next four, beginning with these two, were shared in a house with a disciple who lived by faith. 
Remember, the multitude was a mixed multitude by the Sea of Galilee, and they lived by sight. Many of them weren't believers. Pharisees mingled in with them, Sadducees, the disciples, followers, but not all were believers. These are believers who live, obviously, by faith. And Jesus is telling this story uh, to assure us that he cares for us. Isn't it great to know he cares? He's aware of your particular problems. I remember when I was a young guy and I became a Christian, I was in middle school. I had some problems with bullies at school. I was new to the area. And I remember I had some fears. And the only thing I could do is turn to the Lord. But he took care of me. And uh, I'm thankful for him for always being there for me. These parables are often linked together. Some scholars view the parable of the treasure as the church hidden from the prophets in a field and purchased at Calvary. Other scholars view this first verse, verse 44 of the treasures, uh, as uh, Israel saved during the tribulation period. And so there's a little bit of a disagreement there. It's about half and half. And so it's not worth breaking fellowship for. It's not that important. Good men are on both sides of this. But all scholars believe that the pearl of great price in the next verse is referring to the church. So verse 44 could be the church, could be Israel. The context is the kingdom so in, the, in the tribulation period and so forth. So uh, just prior to the ushering of a thousand year reign. Did you know the Lord is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years? We're always talking about this kingdom in Matthew. It's the only gospel that talks about the kingdom all the time. That thousand year kingdom one day will be literal. Right now, we're part of a spiritual kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of God. We're his children. We're part of the church, and the church is in his kingdom and in his world. Uh, We say his world, the spiritual world, because we know the Bible says Satan's the prince and power of the air and the ruler of darkness and the ruler of this world. That's why it shouldn't surprise you all the evil that takes place. I mean, look at the evil in our government. Look at the evil that's taking place in our schools. And in society, it's sad, but uh, the world is very evil. But the pearl of great price here is viewed as the church. And we know the first parable, verse 44, emphasizes the treasure. The second emphasizes the purchase, the purchase. Because, you see, the pearl was purchased. It says that he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this parable is pointing to the Lord who gave everything. We know the story's not true, but it illustrates a very great truth, that Jesus Christ purchased the pearl. And the pearl of great price is a reference to us, to the church. It might benefit you to go home and this week to get an encyclopedia, or nowadays we don't have those old books, we have a Google and we have so many things accessible, and study how a pearl develops and how it's made. You know what we're made of? Clay. A pearl is a little piece of dirt that miraculously turns into a pearl. That's fascinating stuff. We're made from dust. We're just dirt, deity and dirt. That's what I am. I'll return to the dust someday when I die until the Lord raptures the church. My body, if, if the rapture doesn't take place before my death, before all of our deaths, our bodies are going to turn to dust or ashes. If you cremate it, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that God will then speak and will come out of the ground? Amen. Think of that. As, as 
joking with somebody. I said, my dad looks bad now. They said, your dad? I said, of course he looks bad. He's been dead 23 years. Bad joke. But you know what? My dad's nothing but dust right now. But guess what? When he comes out of that grave, he's going to look good. And I'm going to recognize him. So we, we, we are thankful for the rapture, and it's going to take place. Now, in the Old Testament, the reason some scholars believe the treasure here is Israel, in the Old Testament, quite often Israel is, is referred to as the treasure. Psalm 135.4, the Lord hath chosen Israel for his peculiar treasure. Uh, Exodus 19.5, the Lord told Moses, ye shall be a peculiar treasure. Deuteronomy 32.10, Ten, he, he found them in a desert land in the wilderness, and he calls Israel the apple of his eye. Isaiah 62, we know it talks about that, that uh, which is quoted in Luke, that there shall be a crown of glory, a royal diadem. And, and so Israel is God's crowning, is his crown, and we know that they're the chosen people. Now, they've rejected the Lord Jesus. He chose them collectively as a nation. He chooses us individually as people. The difference. He chose them as a nation. And one day they're going to reign with him. You know, he's going to set up a kingdom in the Holy Land, and 144,000 Jews will be saved in the tribulation period, and they'll be there in that millennial kingdom. So one day those chosen people will be saved. I'm thankful that I've been saved. He chose me individually. Isn't that awesome? Now, being chosen is clearly taught in Scripture that doesn't negate whosoever will. Some people teach it teaches that there's no such thing as whosoever will. Well, it's pretty plain in Scripture. Whosoever will shall, call up, shall come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him. Whosoever is clearly taught in Scripture. I love that little song, whosoever surely meaneth me. So God knew I'd be saved. He chose me, but he also knew I'd choose him and I would repent and be saved. So I'm glad that he gave me that opportunity to get on my knees and trust him as Savior. But Jesus said, I'm not, uh, he, remember in, in chapter 15, I am not sent but to the lost house of Israel. Remember the initial commission he gave, right? We remember that. He said to the, his, his disciples, first go to Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles yet. Then Israel rejected him, and then he said, now go to the Gentiles. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> the work of the apostles from 2,000 years ago brought about the gospel to America and for us to be saved. Just think, had they not obeyed, the gospel would still be back in Israel and it wouldn't have spread. Those 11 turned continents upside down. And God still gives us the same call. And everyone's called to preach the gospel. I joke and say, we need women preachers. And people are like, what are you talking about? I didn't say women pastors. But we're all supposed to preach the gospel. Some of the greatest soul winners in my lifetime have been women. You know, there was a time when men wouldn't even go to the mission field. And you studied the history of missions, there were some men. And we, we, we have books about them, but most were women. Thank God they'd go there and start a Bible study and win souls and they'd pray for a pastor to come. Isn't that something? So ladies, you're so valuable to God and you're witnessing and we're thankful for that. 
And then God eventually reached out to the Gentiles, and Peter said by his mouth, a Gentile should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, that's Peter saying that. Remember, he was pretty much a racist. He didn't like Gentiles. And then John 1 and 11 says, he came to his own, and his own received him not. So you see, the Jews rejected him, and the Gentiles accepted him. We were grafted in. Now, for a Jew to be saved, it's the same. Whosoever will. If a Jew trusts Jesus, he's saved, just like we're saved. But they just don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, but one day they'll believe. They've always required a sign. You remember back with Moses, how are they going to believe me? He said, well, you know that rod in your hand? Throw it on the ground and pick it up again. It became a snake, he picked it up again. When Elijah and Elisha came, he gave them miraculous signs. All these eras, the, 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 the prophetic era and, and the era of the, the prophets of Israel uh, and, of, of course, Moses and the patriarchs, there were so many times where God worked miracles. Jews have always required a sign. Acts tells us that, and it also says they're an adulterous generation because they require a sign. They don't believe by faith. In fact, in the tribulation, you know why they're going to be saved, right? Because God's going to send two prophets. They're going to be killed, and their bodies are going to lay in the streets for three days, dead. And all the cameras of the world are going to be watching. All of a sudden, they're going to stand up. I can just imagine the, the news people, you know. What are the skeptics going to say? And then the Jews get saved, 144,000, and they go out and preach to the whole world. So the tribulation is a terrible, terrible, terrible time. But that's what it's going to take to get Israel to be saved. Now, you think of this. Even the Holocaust. How few Jews came to know Jesus. A lot did, but... Percentage-wise, very few. It's interesting because Romans says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. A lot of times I think, well, when bad things happen to our country, everybody's going to get saved. Well, it doesn't really work that way. I remember I thought when the Twin Towers happened, we just have mass revivals. And there are a few people that got saved, but we didn't have mass revivals. America's complacent right now. Apathy's... And anarchy, I might as well say, too. Apathy on one hand and anarchy on the other are taking over our country. And we're complacent, and the church has become lukewarm, which hasn't helped. So here, in verse 45, we find here, And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man, and that is none other than Jesus Christ. Luke 19.10 says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he came... The Bible's seeking goodly pearls. He came to seek souls. And we believe the pearl of bright, great prices of the church. We're redeemed with his blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says we're redeemed with his blood. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 20, we're bought with the price. And here in our text, the last line of verse 46, it says, when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I know the teaching here and I understand the passage, but I think about that one. I think, that's me. Don't you think about yourself? He would have died for one. Because that's what a loving person Jesus is. And uh, that means me. He died for me. He died for you and he died for me. And so here we know we are bought with a price. That word bought, look over at Revelation 5, 9. Let's see how else that is translated. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And you'll immediately recognize this truth. Revelation 5, 9. 
It says, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast, what? Redeemed us to God. Isn't that awesome? That word redeemed is the same word translated bought. It's the same in Revelation 14, 3 and 4. He bought us. He redeemed us. He purchased us. We belong to him. You know, we don't have to worry about offering dead sacrifices, but we're supposed to offer our body a living sacrifice. The, 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 lame, the lamb slain once for all was Jesus, and we don't need to kill lambs again, but we need to say, here am I. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Why should all of us say that? Because he owns us. He paid for our eternity. You'd work awfully hard if someone said, listen, you come and work for me for a while, and I'll give you a really good pension the rest of your life, put you in a nice home, and give you a good paycheck, good insurance, and all that. Well, you'd say, well, how long do I have to work? You'd be quick to jump on that, work 10, 20 years. I've got a friend, college basketball coach, friend of mine. He, uh, uh, he worked for a man taking care of his llamas for 20 or 30 years, and the man died and left him everything, and the man was very rich. It's a great story, but guess what? The Lord paid for our eternity. My retirement plan is out of this world. My retirement house is out of this world. So I should at least say, here am I. What can I do since you've purchased my salvation, spared me from the, the fire of hell, and offered me eternity? I should be willing to live for you. I told someone, I ran into one of my old college roommates 45 years ago, and I wanted to say to him, I know you knew me when I was 19. <laughs> I wish I could go back and live, live my life over from 12 to 19. But you don't get do-overs. Because I didn't have guts to be a soldier of the cross. I was scared of bullying and being picked on and persecuted and made fun of because of my faith. And I was a coward. God wants soldiers in his army. He wants us to stand up and be counted for him. Because life's just short. It's hard to say to the young people life is so short because they think, man, he's really old, that preacher. Let me tell you something. Seems like just yesterday as a teenager. You know, I was looking and sitting in the gym the other day. I looked up at that goal and I remember when I used to get the ball, I didn't have to run. I could just go up and slam it. And I thought, I'd have to have a ladder to get up that rim now. <laughs> Maybe I could touch the backboard, but then I'd worry about my hip. I had my hip replaced when I was in my 50s. And those herniated discs, if I jumped up to touch the backboard, I may have to go to the doctor. Just like that, it's gone. And you'll remember one day, young people, how that old people used to say to you, it goes fast. And it surely does. Life's a vapor. And we have an opportunity to live for God now. And I'd love to get those years back, but it's too late. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. Because here it says, when he found one pearl. These pearls are hidden. God seeks them out. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I like this verse in, in Colossians 3, 3. It says we're hidden. And uh, 
This really refers to the protection and the, the sovereignty of God. It says, and ye are dead and your life is hid with God in Christ. Isn't that interesting? Did you know before you were saved, you were dead? And God sought you out, you know, just like he sought a pearl out. No one would think if they saw a little speck of dirt in a clam, well, that's going to be something great someday. Nobody would see that potential. We'd say, well, there's no pearl there now. We'd toss it back in. But guess what? God saw your potential. He saw you and he knew that you could be valuable in his kingdom. So we're hid with God in Christ. And it says that he, he, he purchased this with a great price. He sold everything he had and bought it. And you know what? He one day is going to present us spotless. I look in the mirror and, and, uh, of the word of God. And I look in the mirror and I say, Dad, is that you? But, but I look in the word of God and I, I see my sin. Ooh, makes me angry that I do the stupid things I do. You're always sorry after you sin. You're always sorry. Sometimes it feels real good to sin. I mean, the old flesh feels good. Let them have it. Say what you want to say. Punch them, you know, whatever. Feels good for a moment. Boy, then afterwards, ugh. I was tailgating someone today. I was. Don't act shocked, you do it too. This person was in a turning lane, texting, and the light went, and I'm trying to be the Reverend Mao. <laughs> the light arrow turned green. I didn't honk, I thought, surely he's gonna look up and scoot through. Never looked up. The light turned green, yellow, and red, the guy never moved. The cars in front of him moved, but he was so preoccupied. So the next time the light turned green, guess who pushed on the horn? Me. He was still looking down and texting. Now that justified the horn, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I have this little thing, all right? If I just beep the horn, you know, that's okay. And that probably is okay because there's people behind me, beep, 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 honking. But I knew that I was, I just beeped it today, but I knew I was really irritated. I didn't beep the horn long, but you know, when he went through the light, guess who was three feet from his bumper? Because I didn't want someone saying, well, he went, what about the idiot in the black car? He needs to get through there too. So I, I, but then I kept tailgating him until he finally turned off. And I thought, I'm preaching tonight. I can't preach on patience tonight. That's out. Self-control. Bryce knows something else I did tonight. I went to Golden Corral. That's where I exercise my self-control. I actually didn't do bad tonight. But I was sitting in, them, in there thinking, now I tailgated the guy, and I had two desserts. Can I justify another dessert? That's how I think. You ever think like that? I didn't get the other dessert. But the whole way to my car, I was thinking, boy, I really would have liked another dessert. I, I wonder if I could still go back. No. See, we 
one day are going to be presented without spot. Can you imagine that? We're the bride of Christ, and we're not going to have any sin. We're going to be perfect. Oh, I can't wait till that day. That's what's going to happen. We're going to be married to God. The application here. What's your opinion of the church or Israel, the treasure in verse 44? You go home, think that over. However you decide on that is fine. It's not something we break fellowship. Then Luke 19, 10, I already read that. According to this passage, why did Jesus come to the earth? What was his purpose? Same as our purpose, to seek and to save that which is lost. Did you know his purpose is the same as ours? Now, he could do more about it because he could die on the cross and pay for sin. We just tell people what he did. But we're supposed to seek and to save that which is lost. Then I have a question here. In what way is the body of Christ like a pearl? That, that's a good question because it's like a pearl in that it starts out being worthless. Did you know before you were saved, you were worthless? You were dead. You were condemned already. The Bible called you a sinner. You are without hope. All those things, you were destined to hell. You were just like a piece of dirt. But God saw a future, as only God can. And he saw that one day you'll be a pearl, and that's worth dying for, he said. And so he died. Not only will he save us, the church, but one day we know the Jews are going to be saved. So in what way is the body of Christ like a pearl? It's valuable when completed. And then we have the words bought and buyeth in verse 46. And of course, we talked about being bought with a price. And then the last question I'm going to have you answer, and you can answer that out loud here in a moment. The other two you're going to take home. I, I got a little exercise there to take an encyclopedia. I already told you that. But how many Israelites will we be redeemed according to Revelation 14, 3 and 4? All right. 144,000. You can look those verses up and see that that's the amount of Jews that will be saved. All right. Comments or questions? You didn't know I could finish in 30 minutes or left. I've been preaching so long I thought, we well, need to get some music because... I'm preaching too long. I'm getting up there and I'm looking at the clock. I'm thinking I've got forever. So music's going to change that. I'm going to look at that clock. I'm going to say, okay, that story isn't going to work. <laughs> and I will let you out by noon when we get more music. But I, I'm excited about what God is going to do. And when I look at this church, I think of the pearl of great price. You know how God looks at us? As being valuable. We're his church. We're his future bride. And he's developing us and molding us and making us what we ought to be. And so God has great things in store for us as his children.